Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 25th of April, 2022, the 24th of Nissan 5782. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. We just got done celebrating the holiday of Passover. Of course, not only here in Israel, but Jews worldwide. Celebrating the holiday of our freedom. For those who did celebrate, I hope you had a wonderful and joyful and peaceful and happy and kosher Passover. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. The best part of Passover and the holidays here in Israel for me is to go out and to be able to travel throughout the country. And I had the opportunity of hiking all the way up in northern Israel just by the border of Lebanon, where last week, over Passover, things were quiet. But this is a segue into the first news item of the day, because just several hours ago, rockets were launched into Israel from Lebanon. Reported here by JNS News, the Israeli military responded with artillery on Sunday night after a rocket was launched into Israel from southern Lebanon, the Israel Defense Forces said in a statement, as calculations of the rocket's, rocket's trajectory indicated that it would come down in an open area, thus no sirens were triggered and the Iron Dome defense system did not intercept it, this according to the IDF. The IDF Artillery Corp fired tens of shells at the launch site and open areas in southern Lebanon and an infrastructure target was also attacked. No reports of damage or casualties at this time. And uh, again, no, no sirens and no alert status for the North right now. The London-based Arabic language newspaper, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Ray Al-Yom reported that a senior Hamas figure had warned that in the event of a new conflict erupting between the terror group and Israel, a front will also be or we also be opened in southern Israel. So we're talking about southern Israel. We're talking. We'll talk about more of that in detail in just a few minutes. Southern Israel, northern Israel. Um, no information directly linking linking Hamas to Sunday night's rocket attack, but those threats were in fact made that Hamas might start a multi-pronged attack on various borders. Hamas, of course, saying that the situation is tense because of what's going on in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount, the Al-Aqsa Mosque in the old city of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, of course, being uh, Judaism's holiest site. And we are still in the month of Ramadan uh, with a lot of violence taking place over there on the Temple Mount over the last several weeks. Daily violence being carried out by the Arabs on the Temple Mount, really a desecration to the Ramadan. And there were certain images there of senior, uh, senior I don't want to call them officials, but worshippers, uh, elderly worshippers on the Temple Mount, actually reprimanding those who were desecrating the site by playing soccer, by throwing rocks, by really ruining the Ramadan for some. And this, of course, was all premeditated images over the last week showing that rocks were being stored inside Al-Aqsa Mosque. 
and they were preparing those terrorists up there were preparing to throw them at Jews, whether they're Jews on the Temple Mount, Jews at the Western Wall, the Kotel down below, or at security forces. This was all premeditated violence, and yet somehow the world is going crazy because of the fact that IDF uh, troops, IDF police, have to quell the violence by going up to the Temple Mount. It's that simple. If the Arabs on the Temple Mount would not throw rocks, not try to murder Jews up there, there would be no need for the police to have to intervene. But that's not the case. And yet somehow, from what I understand, the UN is having emergency sessions, not surprising, emergency sessions on the situation in Jerusalem, all these statements being released by the U.S. State Department and the U.S. Ambassador to Israel about the situation. Basically, if you read into some of those statements, I saw one by the U.S. Ambassador the other day, uh, Nides, essentially equating Israel's response to the violence with the violence itself, calling on quiet from all sides, all this nonsense that we saw during the Oslo period and under the Obama administration and, uh, and now under the Biden administration, equating the criminals with those who are enforcing the law, which unfortunately is a terrible mistake and a mistake in terms of our well-being and security here in the Middle East. And we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. But yesterday, speaking with reporters at a press briefing, Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid laid the blame for the unrest squarely at the feet of Hamas and the other terror groups, in this case referring to the incidents uh, on the Temple Mount, which we now know have also started in the north with rockets and we'll talk about the rockets in the south here in just a few minutes but our foreign ministry lapid according to jns yesterday said that israel is committed to the status quo on the temple mount muslims pray on the temple mount non-muslims visit said lapid um so i have issues of course with this statement you're talking about freedom of religion in the state of israel and our foreign minister is saying to the world, Muslims pray, non-Muslims visit. So how is that freedom of religion for Jews and other religions if only Muslims are allowed to pray on the Temple Mount? Now, technically, by the letter of the law, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, Jews can pray on the Temple Mount. However, the police, based on the situation, have the ability, ability to overrule um, that decision and not allow Jews to pray on the Temple Mount. And our foreign minister is saying it flat out. He's saying flat out non-Jews cannot pray on the Temple Mount, which, again, is not accurate by the letter of the law. But nevertheless, right now, that is the situation that is is being enforced. Not only is, he, not only is that being enforced, but in reality, according to I-24, Israel's government decided that the Temple Mount is closed to Jews until the end of Ramadan. So let me just run this back with you. Okay, our foreign minister, Yair Lapid, says non-Muslims are allowed to visit the Temple Mount and not pray. They're not allowed to pray, so that's bad enough. And now the Temple Mount is actually closed to Jewish worshipers here. It says Jewish worshipers. It doesn't say non-Muslim worshipers. Maybe Christians are allowed on the Temple Mount. I don't know. Until the end of Ramadan, 
which is in another, I guess, another week or so, if not more. So this is a complete surrender, a complete surrender to those who are carrying out violence on the Temple Mount. Our foreign minister is saying flat out Muslims can pray, Jews can't pray, and at this point Jews are not even allowed on the Temple Mount. So that's the situation we are in right now. Okay, that is the surrender to the jihad, which is taking place at the highest levels of government. Uh, M.K. Itamar Ben-Gvir reacted to the reports that this was bef uh, before they actually implemented uh, that the Temple Mount would be closed. He said, if the news of the Temple Mount closure is true, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett raised a white flag. Uh, he surrendered to terrorism, to Hamas. He surrendered to our enemies. This uh, I-24 report, by the way, notes that Prime Minister Netanyahu also closed the site at certain points during Ramadan. So again, this isn't, by the way, it's not about Netanyahu or Bennett. Okay, I'm not picking on the Prime Minister, but I'm picking on, in general, all our leaders who are, I'm talking about now the current government, who are surrendering to terror. Okay, by not allowing Jews onto the Temple Mount, this is not a, these aren't political statements I'm making or endorsements of one candidate over another. All of our Jewish leaders should understand and recognize the significance and the holiness of the Temple Mount to the Jewish people and should not cave to the 400 rioters, uh, Arab rioters who were detained by security forces and the daily rioting that's going on during the month of Ramadan on the Temple Mount. Lapid did say, by the way, according to Times of Israel, I don't feel comfortable with the idea that Jews do not have freedom of religion in the state of Israel and that Jews are banned from the site. He's not comfortable with it, but that being said, it's still going to happen and Jews are going to be barred from the Temple Mount. And when they are allowed on the Temple Mount, uh, they are not going to be allowed to pray, according to our government officials. So we talked about the Temple Mount. We talked about a rocket being fired um, from Lebanon into northern Israel. And then we turn our attention down to southern Israel, where I think the number is five. At least rockets have been fired at communities in southern Israel over the last several days. There was a miracle, by the way, in Sterot uh, several days ago where a rocket landed in the yard of a... Uh, family. This was a private house in Sterot. A rocket was fired by terrorists in Gaza, landed in the yard, and failed to explode. Luckily, or thankfully, thanks to God, uh, because there were gas balloons in the area. Who knows what kind of explosion that would have caused if that rocket had uh, detonated upon impact in a yard in Sterot. Several other rockets fired, shot down by Iron Dome. But here we have rockets in the south, in the north, in Jerusalem. Things are tense, so it's going on all over the place. JNS reported the following, um, I believe this morning. Uh, Israel's coordinator, here's our response to the rockets in the south. Israel's coordinator of government activities in the territories announced on Saturday the closure of the Erez border crossing between Israel and Gaza. Following the launch of two rockets at Israel by terrorists on Friday night, the border crossing is to remain shut from Sunday that's, Sunday, that's yesterday, until further notice, pending a security situation assessment. However, 
Major General Giora Island, former head of Israel's National Security Council, told Army Radio on Sunday, the move could hurt Gaza more than a bomb. I give this response to rocket fire a good chance of success. It's clear to anyone that if there will be a day or two of quiet, the crossing will reopen. That is in everyone's interest. So I hate this policy, okay? Again, he's a former, uh, the former head of Israel's National Security Council, so I don't know if he is actually making policy or creating policy, but this whole, this whole um, game, really, which is being played, and we've seen it before, the terrorists are going to fire rockets. We are going to claim that we're closing the border indefinitely. And then a day or two later, because he says it's in, everyone in everyone's interest, the border is reopened. So how does this cause deterrence? I say this causes no deterrence. The terrorists, Hamas, who controls Gaza, knows this is short term. All right. They are saying on one hand... Uh, they're going to keep the border closed until further notice. And on the other, in reality, it's really a day or two before the border is reopened and the trucks line up from Israel and bring in supplies into Gaza. And then the Gazans uh, are allowed, who have the permits are allowed into Israel. So it's it's really a joke. Okay, I think this causes no deterrence. It's a game. We're f we'll fire a rocket. We know Israel's going to close for a day, and then it will reopen if we wait a day. And then the Hamas goes and they fire, or one of the terror gangs in Gaza fires a rocket a day or two later, and we go through this whole cycle of stupidity once again, where we close the border, then we open the border, we cut off the nautical miles in which the Gaza Gazan fishermen can fish, we cut, we cut them off from 15 to 10 to 7, and then we go back to 10 to 15 uh, a few days later. So I think it's, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It's shown that this is not a true deterrence, that the terrorists are willing to wait it out for a day or two. The borders are reopened, and then the rockets start uh, once again falling on the civilians of the state of Israel. So I'm definitely not a fan of this policy at all. Let's create a real deterrence, okay? Let's cut off Gaza once and for all until the people there realize that Hamas has led them astray, has led them in, down a path of doom where minorities are persecuted, where women are persecuted, where this fanatical terrorist regime is in charge. Let's smoke them out, okay? Let's smoke them out of Gaza. Let's stop with the supplies and see how long they last there until the people, let's support the people. People always talk about the innocence of Gaza. Let's support those people there who don't want to see Hamas any longer. Let's encourage them to take responsibility for their futures and get rid of Hamas in Gaza. I think that is a more sound policy. I think that policy will lead to longer periods of quiet than what we have now where you had, I guess, what was it? Seven months without rockets in the South. And now here we have rockets once again. So... It's not working, folks. This is it's been twenty-one years rockets have been have been fired from Gaza. Of course, a tremendous increase in rocket fire once we pulled out of Gush Katif, that's for sure. But this has been going on for over twenty years, and it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. Moving on here, uh, JNS reports that during a conversation between Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and US President Joe Biden on Sunday, 
the president accepted the prime minister's invitation to visit Israel and announced he intends to come in the next several months, according to a statement released by the government press office. So, U.S. President Joe Biden heading to Israel. We don't have the exact dates, but, um, I mean, it's going to be a logistical nightmare for those people who live, especially in the Jerusalem area. And, um, you know, we've seen this in the past with other top-level officials coming. That's number one. I'll be honest, I didn't mind so much when President Trump visit here. Let's be honest, all right? I'll put all my cards on the table. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I wasn't so upset about the, the traffic caused by that. But here you have a president in the U.S. who perhaps is willing to remove the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC, from the U.S. Foreign Terror Organization list. That's still in the cards, according to this report. Um, Prime Minister Bennett saying in the, uh, yesterday, I'm, I'm sure, I guess this is from the statement, I'm sure that President Biden, who is a true friend of Israel and cares about its security, will not allow the IRGC to be removed from the list of terrorist organizations. Israel has clarified its position on the issue. The IRGC is the largest terrorist organization in the world. And I really still can't believe this is a real story, that this is really something the Biden administration is considering. And uh, again, I'm not looking forward to his visit here, whenever it is. The weakness just oozes out of him and strengthens the terrorists in the area. Appeasing the PA, talk of opening a consulate for the PA in Jerusalem, all the policies which he is uh, undertaking in order to show up, basically to show up President Trump and go back to the Oslo mentality of land for peace and equating, and this is from Biden all the way down, equating building in Judea and Samaria with terror. And this only and always uh, comes back to bite us. Weakness breeds terror. And the Biden administration is, is heading down that path. So I, th I think he should stay home. President Biden should stay home. He should worry about inflation and gas prices. And why doesn't he worry more about all those people who are murdered every single weekend on the south side of Chicago? Let's take care of that and not stick his head into the Middle East where he's bringing back, trying to bring back the Oslo mentality, which failed once before. And we all know the definition of insanity. And it will fail once again. So President Biden, with all due respect, let's let's stay home, okay? Why don't you just stay home and worry about what's going on in terms of the gas prices? Um, apparently in California, they're out of control. And everywhere, they're out of control. Worry about that. And uh, let's not, uh, let's not get, get involved in these international issues like he did with Afghanistan. Let's leave Israel off the table. I doubt that's going to happen because the obsession with Israel in this world is so great. And uh, we, we read this on, on Pesach, on Passover. And every generation, people try to wipe the Jews off the planet. I'm not saying, God forbid, I'm not saying that's what President Biden is trying to do. But all I'm saying is the obsession with the Jewish people it's just unbelievable. It is not logical, but yet it happens in every generation. Israel's indoor mask mandate ended on Saturday evening, marking the first time since the outbreak of the pandemic in 2020. This reported by Israel Ayom that Israelis are no longer required to wear masks in enclosed public spaces. 
Announced by Israeli Prime Minister Bennett, Health Minister Nitzan Horowitz, the measure came into effect at 8 p.m. on Sunday night. The mandate remains in effect, however, for locations designated as high-risk hospitals, nursing homes, and flights. Individuals on the way to quarantine are also still required to wear masks. So here we are seeing it yesterday and today. Um, wherever wherever I've been, in the synagogue and in other places, no more masks required. Um, you know, everyone was saying, well, it's really a breath of fresh air. And then Israel yesterday, ironically, was hit by a sandstorm. And the breathing was <laughs> was not pleasant at all throughout the country. But nevertheless, no more masks for now. Who knows what, what's going to be in a week from now, in a month from now, in a year from now. But hopefully that's it. Let's finish on some positive news here. We're getting ready. This is a very special time of year in Israel. You have Passover. Then you have Yom HaShoah, uh, the Holocaust Remembrance uh, Day and commemoration for the martyrs of the Shoah, of the Holocaust. And then you have Israel's Independence Day. But before that, Memorial Day, of course, Yom HaZikaron. But here's some good news about Independence Day, which will take place next Wednesday night and Thursday. The annual traditional Israel Independence Day flyover carried out by the Israel Air Force will, for the first time, include the city of Hebron, Hebron and Kiryat Arba, course the burial sites of all of our um, ancestors Abraham Isaac Jacob Sarah Rebecca Leah some people say Adam and Eve buried there in the second holy site in Judaism Hebron's cave of the patriarchs but there's never been a flyover over that community okay but the Israel Air Force has decided this year will be different. They will fly the beautiful planes over Hebron. According to the Jerusalem Post, they have in the past, planes have flown over um, other Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, but Hebron has never been a part of the event. Uh, Yishai Fleischer, some of you may have heard of him, of course, who has a show here on Land of Israel Network and is also the spokesperson for the Jewish community of Hebron, said the flyover of the Independence Day aircraft is a symbol of the heart of Israeli independence. There is nothing more normal and more beautiful than those airplanes flying over the very essence and root of the Jewish peoplehood, which is the tomb of the forefathers and foremothers in Hebron. That is from our very own Yishai Fleischer here at the Land of Israel Network, who again is the spokesperson for the Jewish community of Hebron. And um, what can we learn from this? It's about time, folks. It's about time to give these areas full recognition as part of the state of Israel. All of Judea and Samaria, only once Israel does it, will the rest of the world consider it. Look at the embassy in Jerusalem. It was unheard of, unthinkable that the U.S. would move their embassy to Jerusalem and once they did, you had other embassies uh, lining up to do so as well. Several other embassies. And at the same time, you had other parts of the Arab world via the Abraham Accords willing to open up ties with the state of Israel because it only happens through, through strength. Once you show strength, okay, you get results. This is the Middle East. This is not the U.S.-Canadian border. 
Again, it's about time to recognize, as Yishai said, it's natural. Okay, it's natural for the flyover. It's natural to recognize Hebron is part of the state of Israel, our heartland. That is what these areas are in Judea and Samaria. This is our heartland. And only once will Israel accept this and take action do I believe will the world consider doing the same. It all starts at home, folks. It's time once and for all to apply sovereignty over these areas. And uh, next week on the program, please God, we'll focus more as well on Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel's Independence Day. Uh, unfortunately, Memorial Day, Yom Zikaron as well. But we will get to that next week. That's it for today. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is the 25th of April, 2022, the 24th of Nissan 5782. Time is flying. It, it feels like summer here in Israel already. It's supposed to be spring, but we've kind of jumped spring and headed right to summer. It's already very warm here in the state of Israel. Looking forward to beach season. It's right around the corner. I definitely enjoy that, even though really, for those who know me, really I'm a winter person, but I do love the beach, the beautiful Mediterranean. That's going to do it for today. Shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please be in touch. Don't be a stranger. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Love it, hate it. Any other comments? Happy to read them on the air with your permission. So please be in touch. Most importantly, between now and when we talk again, please God next Monday, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Shalom, shalom from, I don't even think I said where I was recording from today, from Gush Etzion, Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. My name is Jeremy Gimpel, and I live here in the mountains of Judea. And in these unprecedented times, I wanted to offer you a gift from the land of Israel. We've been here at the cutting edge of the Jewish return to the land of Israel. We've come to the place where King David first assembled his men and where he wrote most of the book of Psalms. We are quite literally transforming this desert mountain area into a Garden of Eden-like oasis. Watching prophecy manifest into reality, we felt called to reach out to the nations, to teach them lessons from the Bible in the original Hebrew, unlocking insights and understandings that you can only get if you read the text in its original language and from a Judean perspective. The prophet Zechariah spoke of a time that 10 men from all the nations will grab hold of the corner of a garment of a Judean man and say, take us with you for we have heard that God is with you. Perhaps this is the time that the righteous among the nations will now make a sharp U-turn and reconnect to Israel, reconnect to Judea, reconnect to the Hebrew roots of the spiritual realities of this world. This is an invitation to join us at our next live gathering with hundreds of families from over 30 countries around the world. And if you register now, we'll give you a free gift from Israel, the first five sessions that unlock the secrets of the Hebrew Bible and how to live as a believer in these times. I hope to see you at the Land of Israel Fellowship. Shalom.